0: family. It's good to see you guys, um, safe and sound, and in the 5 p.m. service uh, glow. Uh, This is our first service for 2024, uh, and I'm so excited for what this year has in store for us. Um, As Anna mentioned, we are kicking off our year as we do every other year uh, with our annual prayer and fast. Also, there's babies in our service now. Come on, somebody. <laughs> um, welcome back, Elisma, with our, with our precious baby girl. Um, yes, so... One of the things, you know, I just want to encourage us with is that our theme for the year uh, with our prayer and fast is set apart. But it's, just, uh, it's not just for the prayer and fast, but it's for our year. So this is something that as we go throughout our year, even in November, you need to consistently be thinking, how am I setting myself apart for the Lord? But over the years, we've had a variety of themes, and I think it's very important for us to actually take note of what it is that God is saying to us as a movement. So, for instance, um, in 2017, the theme was Knowing God. In 2018, it was In Christ. 2019 was Great Faith. 2020 was Amazing Grace. Uh, 2021 was Awesome God. 2022 is Abide. 2023 was Miracles. 2024 was Set Apart. And the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm saying these, um, I'm, I'm highlighting the names of the themes is because God is saying something to us. God is doing something in and through us. So, for instance, 2017, even though the theme then was knowing God, in 2024, we still have the privilege and the honor to know God. Even though we're in 2018, we still, I mean, even though we're in 2024, we still can live in Christ even though in 2019 the theme was great faith this year we can still approach the year with great faith even though in 2020 the theme was amazing grace this year we can still expect god's amazing grace in 2021 the theme was awesome god i, I pray that the lord still reveals himself to you as an awesome god even though in 2022 our theme was abide and we looked at john 15 i hope and pray that we would still abide in god and abide in his love in t- last year the the theme was miracles. I still hope and pray that we are trusting and we're expecting miracles because miracles wasn't just something that was going to happen in 2023. Now, after 2023, the miracles are done. No more miracles for the rest of eternity, no. But we can still expect miracles this year. And so even though, even as we set ourselves apart, let us set ourselves apart for this God that we know, for this God where we get to live in Christ, for this God who gives us great faith, for this God who gives us uh, amazing grace, for this God who is awesome, for this God who calls us to abide, and for this God who works miracles. So as we approach it, let us set ourselves apart and let us keep whatever the Lord does in our hearts this year, moving forward for the rest of our lives. Let it not be a thing that set apart us as, oh yeah, I know it was praying fast that year, but can we continually be set apart in our lives? And so I'll be kicking off our sermon series and we will be looking at Set Apart. And the sermon title is God is Holy. In order for us to know (coughs) why it is that we are set apart, we need to know whom it is we are set apart for. Our personal holiness is grounded in the holiness of God. So it's important that we know this holy God of ours that we serve. God is holy. And as I was preparing and I was thinking about set apart, uh, I kept thinking about, um, so this past December when I was spending time with my family, I had a conversation with my mom. So growing up there was these uh, cupboards in our house, um, so we called them a room divider. Um, and so what a room divider is, it's just it's a, it's a, it's a cupboard, and it has like a lot of uh, crockery in there. So this is all my mom's valuable crockery that we don't get to use any time of the year. It just comes out uh, on special occasions. Um, no, one, no one really gets to have access to it. Um, and then it, it was just quite annoying that I had to wash it once a year, uh, open up the cupboard, clean out, then wash all that cutlery, and all those dishes, but we never get to use them. And my mom had set apart those dishes for a special purpose. And the reason why I never um, messed with them or or, or did anything sinister there was because I knew the person whom those dishes belonged to. Um, I had a relationship with her, um, and she could beat me um, at any point in time uh, if I broke them. So there was the fear of my mom uh, over my life. And so I knew that do not mess with these dishes Play far away from them, because if you break them, it's a world of hurt. (laughs) It is the same that we are those dishes. God has set us apart for a specific purpose. We are not those random containers that no one knows where the lid is anymore, and now it's become yellow, it's been stained over time. No, we are set apart for God because he is holy. Because God is holy, we have access to the identity of holiness. And so even though we might feel quite sinful, even though uh, we may participate in a lot of sin in our lives, God still declares us holy because of what Jesus has done on the cross. I've seen in my own personal life that a lot of problems in my life happen simply because I do not know who God is. And because I don't have a proper understanding of God being holy, I don't have a proper understanding of my identity in Christ being holy. Holy and living from a place of holiness that Christ has purchased for me on the cross, rather than striving to be holy in my own strength, striving to be set apart in my own strength by my own ways, by my own thinking. God is holy. And so, could you please turn with me to Psalm 96, uh, verses 1 to 9? Um, That is the text that we'll be reading from this evening, um, Psalm 96, verse 1 to 9. Could you please stand as we read the word? Psalm 96, verse 1 to 9 says the following. O sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Father, we thank you that you are holy. We thank you that you are good. We thank you for the finished work of the cross. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us as holy. And I pray, Father, that we would know you as holy. We would see you as holy. We would honor and worship you as holy. May we build our lives upon the strong foundation of your holiness. Father, as I preach this evening, I ask that Holy Spirit, you would be the one to speak through me. Whatever thoughts and ideas I have around the sermon, whatever preparation I've done, I surrender it to you. I surrender it to your will and your authority. Have your way, Father. You know your children. You know where they're at. Speak into their hearts. I pray for each and every single heart that will receive your word with thanksgiving and joy. That will bring transformation in their lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And Amen. So, we will be looking at God's holiness our personal holiness is grounded in the holiness of God therefore to be holy we must understand the holiness of God in order for us to live our lives as holy and pleasing unto the Lord we need to understand what it means that God is holy to be holy, it means to be set apart. It means to be unique. There's an otherness of God. God's holiness is something that we cannot see nor uh, no experience in this world, but it is something that it is pure, that is beautiful, that is majestic. And a few ways in which we can describe God's holiness is um, with four words: um, is that He is glorious, He is great, He is the Creator, and He is majestic. He is glorious, he is great, he is creator, and he is majestic. So what does it mean that God uh, is is glorious? In Psalm 96 verses 3 and 7 to 8, it says the following, Declare his glory among the nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Glory, to glory God To say that God is glorious means that he has honor, that he has splendor, that nothing in this world deserves the amount of honor that he deserves. There's nothing in this world that has amount and the beauty of his splendor. There is nothing like God. God is glorious and his glory has a weight. His glory has a worth. His glory has a value. When I think of glory, um, I think... um, Back to uh, my team, uh, my my disappointing team that was once upon a time glorious, Manchester United. So I'm a Manchester United fan, right? And um, right now as a Manchester United fan, we consistently speak of the glory days. We don't speak of what's happening now. What's happening now is just this, just a shame, it's just sinful. Um, (laughs) It's the same with even the Springboks winning the Rugby World Cup. In that moment, when when Sia lifted that trophy, it was such a glorious moment. It was such a beautiful moment to behold. It's something that doesn't happen each and every single day. It's something that happens once in a while. It's something that not everyone gets to experience. You just had to be there in order to experience that glory. And because of that win, and because of uh, the Springboks winning the World Cup, because of Manchester United being formally successful, there's an honor that they they deserve, that there's a splendor that they have. There's a reverence that we have towards them simply because of their glory. But the glory of God is greater than just winning a normal trophy. The glory of God is something that we can't even comprehend. It's something that we can't even understand with our minds. It's something that when we are in God's presence and we experience the glory, we have no words to describe it. We have All we have is just emotions uh, that just capture this moment that we want to live in this moment forever and ever and ever and ever. But it's just a moment. But when we get into eternity, when we get into heaven, we will get to experience God's glory 24-7. We will see how beautiful he is. We will be like the seraphim who 24-7, without taking a break, without ceasing, are getting a fresh revelation of God's holiness and God's glory and God's splendor and God's majesty. And they're declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And so as we think of God's holiness, let us also think of God's glory. We we ought to also ask God to be the one to reveal his glory to us because no human words, no human imagination, nothing can capture God's glory. But God is someone who reveals his glory. Isaiah had an encounter with God and he saw God's glory. Jesus embodied God's glory, but not everyone saw it. Some people missed it because they did not recognize him as God. The more we recognize God as God, the more we'll see his glory, the more we'll understand his holiness. So let us ask God to reveal his glory, to open up our eyes so that we can see his glory. Not only is God glorious, he is great when we think of something great, we think of something that is quite important, that is significant, that is, has influence, that has power, that has authority. So God being great means he has influence in our lives. God being great means he has power. God being great means he has authority. God being great means there's nothing more powerful and more stronger than God in the world. <coughs> We can think of the strongest person that we know. We can think of the most influential person that we know. We can think of someone who has the highest authority that we know. But not their, their authority, their power, their influence doesn't compare to the power, the authority, and the influence of God. Because God is great. There is nothing greater than God. And because he is great... He deserves to be greatly praised by us. He deserves to be feared by us because his greatness cannot compare to anything. Because he is great, he has power, he has an influence. And because of that influence, we fear him. We, st- we stand in honor and in reverence of him. We don't treat God with familiarity. We don't treat God with contempt, but every time we come before him, we recognize that we have the honor and the privilege to come before a great God. That you can come before any and everything in the world, but none of it compares to God in its greatness. He is great. He is creator. Verse 5 says, For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Unlike the powerless gods of the surrounding nations, the Israelites recognize that God is the creator. Everything they have, everything they see, everything they experience, they know that it is God who created it. When we look outside and we look at the trees and we look at creation and we see the birds and we smell the air, we recognize that God is the one who created everything. There's no one else who created it. It is God who created it. Some of you had the honor and the privilege of going to the, to the Kruger um, this past December. Some uh, went to the beach. It is impossible that when you're looking at the waves just crashing into the beach to think that anyone but God could have created this. When you look at the animals, how God takes care of them, how they are fed each and every single day, uh, you can see that God has God is creator. When you look at a lion, you can see that no amount of genetic coding or or inventions we can make can create those animals. Over the holidays, they played a lot of Jurassic Park um, on on, on DSTV, and I saw them, and then they they tried, they created um, dinosaurs just having old dinosaur DNA and all of that. But in this world, like outside of movies, No one has created any animal because we can't create. Idols can't create. False gods can't create because God is the one who created the earth. No other God can create but the God of the Bible. Not only is he great, he is majestic. To be majestic means he is impressive, he is imbe- he's beautiful in, in a scale that we can't begin to comprehend. In 90, Psalm 96, verse 6 says, Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. There is nothing more impressive than God. There's nothing more beautiful than God. There's nothing more glorious than God. There's nothing more powerful than God. He is majestic. And so when we think of God's holiness, these are just some of the attributes we can think of. That he is glorious, he is great, he is creator, and he is majestic. But in the psalm, there's a build up where he's, the, the, the psalmist is consistently calling the Israelites to respond to God's holiness. To respond to the different things, um, that, uh, to different attributes of God that God has revealed to them. And here are some of the ways in which the psalmist is calling people to respond. The first response is to sing. Why should we sing? Uh, Nothing expresses our emotions quite like song. Sometimes you you, you don't really have the words to express how you are feeling. Um, Especially when you're sad, you can go to a song and then you're like... As the song goes, like yeah, this song perfectly captures my emotions. Um, whatever the, the the writer wrote in the song, uh, these are exactly the words that I'm feeling. Singing expresses our emotions in a different way. Um, when Adam, uh, when when God presented Eve before Adam, and Adam responded, "Here it is, here she is, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh." Um, it is said that he responded in song, so he didn't just say. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, he sang it. Simply because he was so captivated by her beauty and her splendor that he had to sing in response. Because just saying it wasn't enough. But singing it fully captured the emotion that he had. When we sing songs to God, it is not just us using our voice in an empty way. Where it's just like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. No. <laughs> that's not how it is it is us capturing that emotion that we feel when we're in his presence and even though we are saying holy my tone, my voice doesn't fully capture what I'm feeling when I'm saying holy so the only way to, to fully capture how I'm feeling is to sing holy, holy, holy Every time, uh, for instance, we have the band up here leading, there's an emotion that they have because they've been praying, they've been trusting God has revealed himself to them so that as they're singing the song, there's an emotion that the words carry. So that when we feel those feelings, we know we ought to be responding in song. And acknowledging our emotion through song leads to a more authentic connection with God. As I sang in the previous example, There was no emotion. There was no connection. I doubt there's even an authentic experience with God. But when I sing with emotion, I sing, and this is how I'm feeling. I am able to to connect with God in a more authentic way. And our singing shouldn't be only when things are going well. Our singing should be even when things are going not so well. When things are looking bad in our life, God's character and nature doesn't change. God's holiness doesn't change. He's still who he says he is. There are times where where everything is just falling apart in your life, and you only have tears before the Lord and, and to declare that he's a good, good father, but you're doing it with weeping and tears because even though your experience is telling you that he is not good, but you know that you know that you know through the word he has revealed himself that he is good. And when you're singing that song and, you, and you're pouring out your tears before him, you're pouring out all that pain, all the hurt, all the disappointment, and you're just leaving it at his feet so that you can leave that place knowing that he is good and he can affirm to you that he is good, that he can affirm that this is who he is as we sing. Singing a new song doesn't mean now that we now need to be musicians and now we need to start composing songs every day. No, when we sing a new song, we're singing from a place of revelation of who God is. So who has God revealed himself to be to you today? And if you are singing a song that is 50 years old, but it still captures the revelation that you had today, that is a new song that we ought to sing. So don't feel the pressure to compose songs. People have written songs for us. Talia's going to write a song for us this year. I believe in her. Uh, (laughs) So the first response is to sing. The second response is to declare our joy is complete when we share, which means that when we don't declare, our joy is incomplete. I don't know if you've experienced when someone asks you, how was your December, what did you do, that as soon as you share uh, what you did the, the previous December, all of a sudden there's just a joy that bubbles up in your heart. Simply because as you are sharing that, you are remembering all the amazing moments, all the experiences that you had, all the amazing things that happened in the holidays, and you are able to just share it with joy. And it's the same with God that our joy becomes complete when we declare to the nations who he is. When we declare to our friends, when we declare to our family that God is good, that God is holy. We are reminded of the moment we had that revelation and therefore we get joy again. And joy overfills our hearts. When Philippians 4 says rejoice in the Lord, again I say to you rejoice, is to remember what God has done. Is to remember who God has revealed himself to you to be. When we share the revelation of God that we have, our joy is complete. But when we don't share, our joy is incomplete. And usually there's, a, there's this thing where you're like, I wish I just, I want to tell someone about what just happened. Because innately, we, are, we, we were designed to declare joyous moments in our lives. But beyond just having joyous moments, we get to declare our joy that we have in a holy God. We get to declare to the nation his marvelous works that he has done in and through us. (coughs) So our declaration doesn't just end with our friends. It doesn't just end with our families. Our declaration should go into the nations. It should go into the people who do not know who God is. Because they have not experienced that. One of the things that I love with all my heart, and I always say this, um, and you guys know this, is that I love burgers. I really love burgers. And when I speak about burgers and when I share about burgers, there's a joy that I have. There's a desire for me to even take people along to say, come with me, come experience this awesome burger that I had at, at such and such a place. It is the same with our joy is that when we share our joy with people there's also this desire that if only I can take you along to this place so that I can experience um, what we had last year at our staff summit, Abraham and I had a very romantic moment um, at Ushaga. Uh, we were on the the lazy river, and we had the, the two man tube and, and Abraham um, was just sharing um, he was just sharing uh, he had a, a holiday experience where they went down this one river, and it was just amazing. And the joy that he was sharing with us, I was like, man, even me, I want to experience um, that. But I don't want to experience because it it's a river, and I don't know. I, don't <laughs> I can't swim. <laughs> I can't swim. And so when we share and when we declare the goodness of God, the holiness of God, that is an opportunity for us to invite people to experience what we haven't experienced. Um, Adiel uh, in January shared a testimony on her Instagram where she shared what God did something that did something amazing in her life. And as I was reading the testimony because she was declaring it to the nations, I was encouraged myself and I was like, God, I want you to reveal yourself to me the way you revealed yourself to Adiel. I want to experience this God that this lady is declaring about. And so the more we declare about God, the more our witness goes out into the nations and the people around us. The third one um, is to ascribe. So to ascribe means to regard something as being due to. So when we ascribe to the Lord goodness, we know that goodness is due to him. The goodness that we're experiencing in our life is because of him. The provision we are experiencing in our life, we ascribe him as provider because he is the one providing for us. When we experience healing in our lives, we ascribe healing to God because he's the God who heals and that's why we have healing in our lives. To ascribe means to think rightly of God is to not let our experience determine who God is, but let the Word of God determine who God is. And so when you ascribe goodness, when you ascribe Creator, when you ascribe majesty unto God, that's because that's who God has revealed himself through the Word. And we pray and we trust that God continually reveals himself to us in that way, not only just through the Word, but through our experiences. But our experiences should not dictate how we ascribe to God, but rather the Word should dictate how we ascribe to God. So when we ascribe goodness unto God, it's because he has revealed himself as good in the Word. When we ascribe provision to God, it's because he has revealed himself as provider in the Word. And so even though you might find yourself in a situation where you feel like, man, I am not experiencing provision, that doesn't change the fact that you are called to ascribe God as provider because he will provide for you. Even though you may be going through a difficult moment in your life, that is still not an excuse to not ascribe goodness to God, because he is still God, despite what is happening to us. Let us not let our experiences determine what we ascribe to God, but rather let the word determine how we, how he ought to, what we ought to ascribe to God. We do not want our experiences to dictate our theology, but rather we want our experiences, I mean, we, rather we want theology to dictate and affirm our experiences. We want the word of God to be the one to reveal who God is. And then the last one is, I didn't write it down here, but I know, next slide, is tremble. That's the last response that we ought to have before our holy God is to tremble. Worship the Lord in splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. When we look upon God's holiness, our response is should be a complete otherness and we look at his moral uh, purity. We can't help but tremble in fear and awe. And fear isn't like a cute word where it's like, oh, I fear you, Lord. No. When you come before the Lord and you fear him, you must think that I am going to lose my life because I have not seen anything like this. There's an otherness to this person that I'm, ex- that I'm seeing right now. There's an otherness to this, pres- to this presence that I am in currently. And because of this otherness, there is a fear and a trembling because I have never experienced, I have never seen anything or anyone like this. We tremble at his glory, we tremble at his beauty, we tremble at his awesomeness. The psalmist goes on to speak of how God will come to judge. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. (coughs) When When he comes to judge, can we pass his judgment? Because he is untouched by sin and evil, yet we are touched by sin and evil. And because of that, we fear what the Lord will say over us. But because of Jesus and because of the work that he has done on the cross, because of salvation, because of being in Christ, we need not fear that coming judgment. Because even though we'll get judged, God will still say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come into my glory because of the work that Jesus has done. There is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. There is nothing we can do to earn God's love and acceptance. This is something that he freely gives. And so if we are still working for his, his salvation, if we are still working for his acceptance, if we are still working to be holy, then we have got it wrong. Because it is something that he has freely given to us. And our response is to receive that which he has done on the cross for us. And so when we stand before him, even though we are trembling, even though there is fear in our hearts, there is an assurance of salvation, knowing that this judgment will not lead to eternal damnation, but it will lead to life and life in abundance. Can we pass his judgment? Only in Jesus can we stand in the splendor of God's holiness, his complete otherness and moral purity. And not be consumed because in him we trade our sin for his righteousness. And so Hebrews 4 verse 16 says the following. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When you experience again and again the grace offered to us in Jesus that allows us to enter the holy of holies to worship God in all his splendor, majesty, strength and beauty. Then our lives will erupt with new songs, just like perennial flowers del- deliver fresh blossoms each spring. So perennial flowers are-, are flowers that bloom in season each and every single year, whereas annual flowers bloom once and then, fl- and then fade. Let us not be annual flowers where we just have one revelation of God and then we fade and fade out of the faith and fade back into a life of sin but rather let us pursue God, let us approach the throne of grace knowing that Jesus is our mediator, knowing that Jesus is interceding for us, knowing that Jesus has paid it all so that we can stand before a holy and a just and a righteous God and continually have a revelation of God in and out of season, year by year, month by month, day by day. And so, as we close, Bernard, could you? As we close, with our eyes closed and our head bowed, let's ask God to reveal His holiness to each and every single one of us. Let us ask God to give us a revelation of his holiness. Let us ask God to give us a revelation of his otherness, his worth, his beauty and his splendor. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I have one simple prayer, that you reveal yourself to each and every single one of us. Reveal your beauty, reveal your splendor, reveal your majesty, reveal your glory, reveal your holiness. and actually join us up here on stage.
1: Heaven's mercy, see.